This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. So, uh, there's a great movie if you get a chance to watch it. It's called Heaven is Real. Um, I recommend it. Uh, If you haven't, it'll make you cry at least five or six times. Um, I see children running back and forth. Okay. I think the children went outside. Okay. (laughs) Um, But when you get a chance, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. And what's always said is that after the Heaven is Real movie and, well, book came out first and then the movie came out, another boy said he had a similar experience um, and it found out he was lying. So they were making a lot of money and he actually said he didn't go to heaven. And whenever the uh, newspaper or the media was covered, they would say, boy who said he went to heaven is found lying. But they wouldn't clarify which one they're talking about. So a lot of people thought that this original movie and book was fake, but it was the wrong one. And that's just how kind of life goes when you're trying to seek the truth. Because we want to believe that was true, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that happened in that video or, I mean, in that movie or in the boy's life in the book. They're just like, wow, that's impossible for him to know that detailed information without him actually having that really, that genuine experience. And um, I recommend it. And, but today, we have something very similar. So in order for this young boy to go to heaven, like people saw his body and saw him die. But today we get to go to the book of Revelations and hear about somebody else's testimony of, of heaven. And a lot of times we, we are afraid of the book of Revelation because it's scary, right? Because what we see happening on earth. But truthfully, it's a glorious book because it conveys where we all really, whether we know it or not, want to be. I always say when I talk about heaven, a lot of times we have problems thinking about heaven because, because death is the part that freaks us out. Like, death is a thing like, oh, wait a minute. In order to go to heaven, that means you have to die. But now there's a thing called the rapture, and that's what everybody's hoping for if that happens, that you could be taken up before you pass away, and then you'll be forever with the Lord, and you won't have to see death. And the Bible talks about that in Thessalonians, that there will be some people who don't even have to see death because Jesus will come back while they're still alive. Whoever and that blessed generation is made up of, they're, they're going to be very fortunate because death won't touch them. That's an awesome thing. However, for most of us, we, we will see death. And even our loved ones will see death. And that's, that's what challenges us all. That death is something that we are just not going to get away from. And that's why Jesus died. Jesus died so that we can have hope. We need to pray for you, Pastor Sean. You're struggling, sir. You're struggling. <laughs> you can lay down on that back row there if you really want to. Um, but today is a, an encouraging message uh, for me anyway. I went to uh, Leo Sandoval's mother's funeral yesterday in, in Burnsville. And uh, I've, I've done several funerals throughout my life. And it's always hard, not just when the person passes away, but all the way until that person is put into the ground, right? Until the funeral's over. And then even after that, you, you begin the grieving process, right? Like you remember waking up with that person or you remember calling that, like all those grieving experiences have to take place. 
And, and even more so, you have to learn how to talk about it so that the pain doesn't overwhelm you so much, right? But, but the hope is that, that Jesus Christ says we don't have to grieve like those people who have no hope. We don't have to weep like those people who will never see their loved ones again. And, and that's, that's a truth that we have as Christians, that the ultimate hope, and that's why people have come to Christ, is that he has given us the key to eternal life. He is the way to living forever. And the book of Revelations is actually the revelation of Jesus Christ. It talks about a lot of stuff, but it's really about the throne, the, what Jesus looks like reigning now and in eternity. And today we have a good opportunity to jump into a couple of the chapters, or a couple of the verses, and hopefully you'll be encouraged in your heart. So what you are is God's gift to you, and what you become is your gift to God. You are being prepared for something. Whether you know it or not, every single experience that you're having in your life is for a purpose. Now you could say, I get it, I've heard this a thousand times, but this process happens all the way until you die. Every single time you take a breath, God is trying to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for your pain. There's even a purpose for your pleasure. But God is using everything you go through to make you look like him. Now, you may not know it, but you are being prepared to rule. God is challenging your character based upon your life experiences. He allows the enemy to come in sometimes. He allows people who you don't necessarily like to influence your life sometimes. He, he sometimes puts you under bad bosses. And sometimes he gives you great bosses. But all the while, he's into, into the character formation business. He cares about what your character looks like. So if you go through difficult times, rejoice. The Bible says rejoice. Why? Because these trials, these light momentary afflictions are designed to make you look like God. And when you go through these struggles and troubles, it's not that God is trying to punish you. He's trying to prepare you. There's a purpose for your pain. And God has a great track record. The question is, will you remain faithful throughout those different challenges? Got a quote by a man's name I will not even try to pronounce, but it's a good quote. I quoted it. I used to hear my football coach say this. I went to a, a Christian university. He used to say this all the time. He was trying to get the best out of us. But he was trying to get us to say the effort we put into what we do is what, in a sense, our gift is back to God. God has designed you in a very specific and a unique way. Some of us has talents they won't use. You'll just say, ah, oh, I'd rather not. But even those talents are, used, are useful for God's glory, so use them for him. Today, Revelation chapter 22, we're starting with verse 1. John is engaging with this angel, and this angel is taking him throughout heaven. And here, we're at the very end of the Bible. And in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, this is John talking, referring to the angel. And he, the angel, showed me a pure river of water, excuse me, of life. And so, you understand, he's referring to heaven. Sometimes, the English language, the Hebrew language, it doesn't matter if it's Aramaic, Greek, we can't completely articulate 
what we see or what we could be seeing in heaven. And so here he uses the best language he has to communicate something which is celestial, which is divine. So he, he's using, now remember, during that time they spoke in Hebrew or Aramaic, and, and, the, and this, eventually that language was translated into Greek, and then back into English. So these translators are doing the best they can to convey something that is supernatural, something that is amazing. So he said, he showed me a pure river of water of life. Now, first of all, this word pure is important, and it symbolizes something that is tangible. It's, it's what we would call holiness, or we would say sinlessness, or not corrupted. Now, in our life, water is abundant, right? Anybody here drink bottled water? Anybody here drink tap water? Oh, I'll pray for you right now. <laughs> so, because we're in America, we just have access to an abundance of water right now. And I had a friend who was from Africa, from Zambia, actually, and they were over our house. She was over our house, and uh, I was cleaning the dishes, and I just let the water run as I was cleaning the dishes. Just <laughs> like, it was just a run. I know some of y'all looking at me like, see, see? No. I was just a letting it run, right? And then she just blew up. What are you doing? Wasting all that water. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, she just like, just dug into me. And I was like, would you first of all, I am in America, right? And I go on trying to defend my waste of water. But, but the point was, because where she was at, water was precious. And in a lot of the world, water is not only rare, but it's usually not clean. There are a lot of places in the world where, where they have to drink the water to survive, but knowing if they drink that water, they're going to get what? Sick. And, and that is the culture we're talking about, that area of the earth. During that day and time, they didn't have water purification system. They didn't have pure filters. They just had the water that was running, and the animals would go to the water, and, and they would do stuff. Okay, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Well, I haven't said it. And so the point, the picture is that this impurity is what we all are and have been infected with. That's why we have to guard our thoughts and our hearts and our motives. That's why we need a new heart. That's why we need to be saved. Because we are in a situation that is, in a sense, infested by impure water. That's our world. Water brings life, even if it's impure. But here, this water is pure. And anywhere this water goes, it brings life, and life abundantly. Now, this is the secret. When this is happening is super important. I'm going to take a theological detour, and I'll jump back to the point. A lot of people struggle with this scripture right here because think about this. We're going to go to a couple points, and we're going to say, wait a minute. If this is heaven, then shouldn't everything be perfect? If this is heaven, then shouldn't there be no more problems? Well, we're going, to, we're going to see something here. You see that word? Everybody on both sides? Healing. And so because you see that word healing, you know the opposite of healing is what? Like hurt or sickness. And so you're seeing, wait a minute, what's happening? There is this theological discussion regarding the millennial reign of Jesus. 
And I'm under the impression that it's a, it's a literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. It's what precedes God in a sense when he comes down and makes a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus Christ is going to reign on the planet for 1,000 years. And during that 1,000-year period, we're going to have the best king and kingdom that humanity has ever seen. But do you know, despite having the best king, despite having the best ruler, despite having the best laws, despite having the lowest amount of interest rates, despite paying the lowest amount on our taxes, despite having the best TV shows and the best movies and the best basketball games that will be going on during the millennial period, despite the best football game, despite the Vikings finally winning the Super Bowl in the millennial, right? Despite all this stuff, people are going to eventually what? Rebel against Jesus. During this thousand-year reign, Jesus Christ will be on the earth reigning and ruling, the Bible says, with an iron scepter. But despite how great a leader he is, humanity will still rebel. Okay? Now you're like, wait a minute, my theology is all broken. I have no idea where you're even going now, right? Well, before Jesus Christ restarts all of creation, he's going to rule in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And during that time, he gives people, humanity, the option of surrendering to him willingly. Now, during that time, if you have been saved previous to that, you will come back and rule with him. Let me say that again. If you died before Jesus Christ came, or you were a Christian when Jesus Christ came, you're going to be transformed Give the new body, and you will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for the thousand years. That was that clear. Now, there's this thing called the tribulation that's going to happen. There's this thing called the Antichrist and the great trip. All these horrible things called Jacob trouble. All these horrible things are going to happen to the planet. And during this time, people are going to have an opportunity to repent. But it'll be so horrific that the population earth will be cut by 90%. And during that day and time, there will be people who do turn to God, but there will be people who do not. And judgment will happen on the planet. Judgment, judgment. This is called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the most talked about event in the entire Bible, just so you know. Even more than Jesus Christ's first coming. Even more than the cross. The day of the Lord, the day of God's judgment, where he judges humanity for its sinfulness. For being impure. So during this time, Jesus Christ is reigning. The saints of God will reign with him over humanity. Eventually, humanity will rebel. You're like, well, who is there? Who's humanity? The people who, in a sense, during the time of Jacob's trouble, who survive. Because there will be 10% of the population who survives. These people will have babies. And you know what's interesting? These people will live for hundreds of years and hundreds of years. The Bible says there'll be people, if they die at the age of 100, people will say, wow, they died early in their life. How do we know they're going to live even though they're not given a resurrected body? Because this right here, I'll get to it. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. We talked about it last week. The dimensions of the new Jerusalem are the size of the moon, literally. You could put 
because the, the New Jerusalem will be almost like a cube. And the dimensions are almost the exact same. You could actually put it in the moon. That thing is going to come down from heaven on the earth. It's going to be the biggest city ever created. The most wonderful city ever created. We talked about last week the stones that are going to be there, the colors and the stones that were chosen. That it's going to be amazing. We're going to be shocked in awe at what we see. And we talked about no need for a son. Why, do, why don't we need a son? Because Jesus Christ will be what illuminates all reality. That's what my Bible says. So Jesus Christ is the illuminator of all reality at that point on the planet. And the new Israel, the new Jerusalem is his home, is his throne. And right where his throne is, there is something come out of it, this river. And it says, in the middle of his streets, and on either side of the river was what? The tree of life. And remember, the tree of life, we, we are introduced to the tree of life when? At the beginning of the Bible. And remember, before, after Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the angel said, let's, let's get them out of here because they might eat of the tree of life. Here again is the tree of life. And now, this tree does something very unique. It what? It bears 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. So this tree is constantly producing fruit so that the inhabitants can eat it. Why would they need to eat this fruit? Here we go. The leaves of the tree were for what? Healing. Now this is what's interesting. Who's being healed? Look at what the scripture says. The nations. There shall be no more what? Curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And his who? His servants shall serve him. Now a lot of people see that and they're saying, wait a minute, you're trying to tell me. I go through all this here on earth. Fight suffering and humbling myself and I'm going to reign and rule but wait a minute I'm going to be a servant yes but this service won't be done the same way service or slavery is what this word really is how it's been perpetuated here on earth understand this word doulos actually means love slave Paul said he is a slave to Christ by choice. And why is he a slave? Because he has no rights to himself. Why does he have to say slave or servant? Because you have to understand in Christ, that means you have no will of your own. That's what it meant to be a slave. A slave on earth has no natural property. You own nothing. You're completely your master's, and everything your master wants you to do, you have to do. Does that make sense? Here, when you are a servant, you are somebody who is completely and utterly surrendered to the will of God. That is the point of this whole thing. Pastor Vashon by the grace of God, did the exact quote earlier. What was the quote, Pastor Sean? If you what? There you go. If you really love me, you won't. we didn't have a conversation about this. 
if you really love me, you'll obey my commandments. God's commandments are his will. That's what we say here at Endurance Church. Worship is. Worship is bowing your will to the will of God. That's worship. When you are, when you are confronted with a choice of doing it God's way or your way, you're really making a choice of who you're going to worship. Am I willing to worship God or am I going to worship myself? That's what sin is. Sin is the decision to say, I reject worshiping God and I'm going to worship myself or Satan or some other God. That's why people pick and reject. That's why people pick other gods and reject our God. Because other gods offer seemingly more benefits. Shoot, this God right here, he lets me watch Netflix. This other God right here lets me go to the club. This other, I can, I can keep going on and on. And I, I'm just trying to make a point. When, when our God's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, no, hold on. You're like, well, it's just too restricting. I want to live my life. I want to have fun. But God's trying to tell you there's limits needed now to protect you. And God's trying to use your life for his glory. I used to play football a long time ago for a team in Minnesota. And when I was playing for the Vikings, I remember the coach said, listen, make sure nobody gets behind you. Brett Favre has a strong arm. I'm like, I'm fast. I don't care what kind of arm he had. Let's do like all the touchdowns or like he's thrown. I'm like, I'm, I'm bad. So I'm out there. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's, I'm nervous, right? Because I used to play him on video games. I'm, There's Brett Favre in front of me. Now the coach said, don't let anybody get behind me. And, and I thought I had an opportunity to make a play in front of me. But I saw through my peripheral vision, which is superior, at least at that time in my life, a receiver started to get behind me. I had a decision to make. Can I go make that play and be a hero? Or should I stay back and let somebody else make the play and be a hero and do my responsibility? Of course, being 24 years old and the prime of my life, I said, shoot, I'm trying to get the signing bonus. So I'm running up to make the play, and all of a sudden, Brett Favre goes, and I saw his eyes get, I was like, so I did anything. I I tried with all my being to run a 4140 at that point. I turned around and ran as fast as I could because I knew somebody was getting behind me. Thankfully, John Randall hit Brett Favre, and the ball went in the air and fell down. You see, because of my disobedience, that could have been my first and last play in the NFL. <laughs> That's the first play I ever had, ever, in the NFL, going out against Brett Favre. The D, uh, Orlando Thomas got hurt. I run in there. Don't let him make it behind you. Okay. I knew the play. I can make it. Oh. That's what God's trying to tell us. God's trying to say, obey me. Do what I say. I know, he's like, I know you can, you can make the play, but just do it my way. Because this is more than about winning a football game. This is about heaven. Let's jump into heaven real quick. And there should be no more curse in heaven. Every ache and pain you have, Pastor Vishon, the pain that you're having right now, that's because of the curse. That's the curse. 
every the seat right now understand oh young lady understand we have cushioned seats you can more than <laughs> please somebody give her a cushioned seat like the pain you feel because that's that's because of the curse the aches you have in your body the emotional instability you have the sometimes the 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 memories that just can't bring it back to the, the mistakes, the accidents, all the negative, all the wrong in life are because of the curse. We keep blaming God, and it's, it's the consequence of the curse. And in heaven, that does not exist. There's blessing. Nothing but blessing. We are not even prepared to experience in these bodies the pleasure we will receive in heaven. We can't even get in God's presence right now because of these, these bodies will fall apart in God's presence. But you can't even contain pleasure in this life only up to a certain level without your body start breaking down. You can only handle so much pleasure in this life. In heaven, there is infinite pleasure. I said on Facebook the other week, in heaven there is no more sea. There's no more, what else? Somebody else? Sun, and there's no more sex. <laughs> that always gets people to look at you like, what? The Bible says we won't be married anymore. There'll be no need for sexual intercourse in heaven. You're, and somebody may think right now, just shoot, I don't want to go to heaven then. No, hold up right now, hold up. You will have better experiences in heaven times a thousand than you've ever had on earth. So don't think you're missing out, because you ain't. And that was bad English, but it was a good point. You will not miss out on anything. Now, if you're married, try to get in while you can, but if you're not, stay, stay chaste. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says, his servants shall serve him. That will be our joy. Here, they shall see his face. This is an important phrase that happens over and over in the Bible. When you see God's face, it's really just saying you're in his presence. Because, because in this vernacular, we currently don't see God right now. Right, right now, we, we talk to God through our, um, like our cell phone, our prayers, right? That's like our cell phone. Like we're, we can't even FaceTime him yet, right? So it's like FaceTime the, 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 the voice only. Like we can't even see him. So right now, we can't see God. We can't be in his presence, but in heaven, you will be in God's presence, and you won't die. You'll be in God's presence, and there is pleasure evermore, just in his presence. Now, you're like, wait a minute. I don't know if that's going to be as pleasure. Yes, it'll be more pleasurable than any pleasure you've experienced. There, there was a cake. I'm just going here. There was a chocolate cake they made a long time ago, and I'm going to go there. Does anyone want to guess the name of that cake? Thank you. It was called Better Than Sex Cake. I don't care what type of apple pie a la mode, pudding with bananas, peach cobbler. I don't care what wine it is. I don't care cigarette, cigar. I don't care what experience you've had on earth. It will pale in comparison to being in God's presence. If I'm wrong, when we're in heaven, you tell me I'm wrong. It says, they shall see his face or be in his presence, and his name shall be on their foreheads. 
And you're like, oh, that's not real cute because I might have like a tattoo on my forehead of God. It's, it's really like ownership. It's your his. Now, you may say, you know what, I don't want to be anybody's property, but, but God's property, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of you. Verse 5, it says, there shall be no more night there. Why? Because Jesus is the light. They shall need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And this is the last part, the last part for today. And they shall what? Reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. Just understand, you are being prepared to reign and rule forever. That's what this life is about. Are you made up of the stuff that kings are made of? Have you ever gone through history and look at what it took to be a king or a queen? Like that's your life. That's where you're heading to, to rule and reign with Christ forever. Over who? Over the nations. Over the nations. This is a long, this isn't a scripture, but this is a, a point I had. I just, I had to put it all in there. It is God's desire first to live with his, his family. He wants to be as close to them as possible. He wants his children to live in harmony with his will. He wants to be vulnerable with them. He wants to have intimacy with them. He wants to be so close to them they would even radiate the brightness of his own personal glory for all eternity. That, that's what God wants. He wants to be close to you. It's like a hug. It's like that awkwardness when you meet a visitor and you're like, do they really hug or do I give them a handshake or just give them one of these head nods, right? Like that he wants the, to push past the awkwardness forever. Like, you know, you get married and you stay married a long time. And you're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to look you in the eye today. I'm just, I'm going to talk to you. I'm, I'm immature. I'm just being real. I'm not going to talk today. I'm going to talk to you, but I'm not going to look you in the eye. I'm not going to look you in the eye for an hour. Right? I mean, I'm still growing. But, but, but God wants to look you in the eye forever. Always. Every day. And every night. He wants, he wants to be close to you. That's what this whole thing's about. You being close, or then close, to the creator of all reality. He's been fighting for this moment from the beginning of humanity. Fighting for you. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. You need to understand what God's hope is for you. God is rooting for you. Not only that, the Bible says we have a great cloud of witnesses. Not only that, you have family members who are in heaven right now, who are looking down, rooting for you. They are there. You make sure you end up there. You have family members from your past who are up there looking at you like, yes, that's a good pastor. Keep going to that church. <laughs> but they're saying above all else, this is the best place you ever want to be. Like, they're, they're, they made it. We have to make it. Just make sure you're there. Now my clicker stopped working. Okay, thank you.
Understand that heaven is the manifestation of God's deepest desire for us. It took God how many days to create the creation? We did this before. How many days? It took God six days to create the entire universe. He has been creating your eternal home for 2019 years. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing your eternal abode. And he's been doing that all this time. Imagine how amazing that's going to be. Why do we need to know that? So that you can allow God's desire to become yours. There used to be this saying I used to hear, and I'm almost done for the day. It was that you are so heavily minded that you're no earthly good. And actually, that's the opposite of truth. Actually, you can't be any earthly good unless you're heavily minded. But how many people genuinely are saying, I am excited about going to heaven? Like, if you think heaven is simply just like harps and, and, and angels and, and Cupid, if you think heaven just clouds, like, you're, you're, you've been deceived. Like, Disney, Disney World does a good job making us want to go to Disney World. I see Mickey and I still want to go, right? Like, I see the commercial. They, they even bought my beloved Marvel Universe. And now, every time I get to watch a Marvel movie, I see a Disney, like, preview, like, I still want to go to Disney World. Disney does a great job marketing itself, great job with promotions. But do you know who God's promotion is to the world? You. Like, you're the promos. You're that ding that comes, that, that little that Tinkerbell in the, the Magic Kingdom with the fireworks. That's you. Like, that's what the world's looking at. You are the evidence that heaven is great. So, allow God to shine brightly in your life. Have faith expressed in love. Be the good guy. God has the best intentions for your eternal existence. It's going to be worth it. Every tear. Every moment. It's going to be worth it. Remember, God has been planning this forever. This is our moment. While we're here on earth in the midst of this war, this is the chance we have to give God glory right now. It won't, it'll be gone in heaven. It'll be over. Do well now. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this holiday weekend. Thank you for this country, Lord God. Thank you for our independence, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, you help our country. Lord, we're, we're struggling. Help the church, Lord God. We're struggling. But you're not. So I pray, Father God, you raise us up right now to be bold as a lion. To be brave. To be faithful. To be convinced that heaven is a great place to be. Help us be like Paul, who was so, so convinced and confident, Lord God, that it's better to be in heaven than to be here on earth. Help us have no fear about what comes after death. Help us, Father God, live our lives, Lord God, 
with the reality that heaven is our eternal destination. In Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Just